0: Best Book Bits presents Kartika Ladia, author of the book, Dream Beyond Shadows, and the man who walked over 1,000 kilometers across South India to write his second book, Life Unknown, A Passage Through India. Kartika, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: For my audience who have never heard of you, tell me where you're from.
1: So I'm born and raised in India, and I was born in Central India, actually, in the heart of the country. And then uh, in my late teens, I moved to the U.S., which is where I pursued in Boston, which is where I pursued my higher education. And later after that, I moved to New York to work in renewable energy industry, uh, particularly solar. And afterwards, I went to South America and all these things started to happen and unfold in my life, which is where I, what I'm doing now, writing and sharing whatever I can with humanity to help raise our consciousness.
0: Yeah, perfect. We'll get into this. Now, you're a travel writer talking about philosophy. Talk to me about your upbringing, school, etc. Where did it all start?
1: Yeah, so I was raised in a very typical Indian family, you know, middle class and uh, very traditional. And uh, yes, I was raised in a very simple, simple household where we, we didn't have the craziness of consumers in back then in India. It was a very simple India which you don't see anymore, unfortunately. And uh, so I was raised in a very simple household and eventually, because my uncles used to live in the US, uh, so my parents thought it would be nice for me to go to the US, study there, and eventually build a life there. So that's how I ended up moving to the US. But growing up in India was very simple. I actually went to a boarding school as well for some time. And um, yeah, it was a very Indian, Indian, I had a very Indian raising with, mother and grandmother in a family set with my grandparents, my sister, uh, a lot of immediate family members living together. And yeah, it was very nice.
0: And when did you start to know that you wanted to travel and start creative writing and talking about philosophy? So it kind of,
1: you know, there are, there are a few ways I look at life now, is uh, there are things that we're told to do through where we are raised, through our cultures, through our conditionings through our environment, and there are things that are beyond you that come from, you can call it a greater source or greater understanding, that kind of take you on a different route in life. And in many ways, it's not in your control. It's something that comes to you or something that you realize as you're going through you're going through life, right? Um, so for me, you know, I never was trained in writing or philosophies or any of these things or nobody in my family was, or I don't come from that background at all. I come from a background of traders and business people. There are no artists in my in my immediate family or even close members or friend circle. So a lot of people get surprised to find out how I ended up in these, this field and, and creating an impact in this field. So for me, it all kind of started in the US and this is where the beginning of my first book took place as well, Dream Beyond Shadows, is when I was in New York and one night out of nowhere, I decided to leave everything, just kind of following this urge in me. And this kind of urge, you know, in the logical sense, you cannot really explain to people where, like, is it coming from, from your mind or where is it coming from? It's this urge of just wanting to find answers to our quest, which can be beyond... You know, finding a job or finding security or being being in that survival mindset. And there's nothing wrong with that. I have nothing against that. But I thought for myself in that moment that there's more to life than just all of this. Uh, and in many ways, that led me to follow this path. And I think writing and philosophies just kind of happened as a byproduct of, of walking this path where I just felt this urge to express myself. I just felt the urge to share with others the changes I was going through, the changes I was feeling. And I, and I realized that we're missing something in our lives. You know, We have all the comforts of the material world. We're getting all the things, we're building all these great things in the world, but then why is there the joy missing in life? Why are we missing magic in our day to day? So all these little tangents of life that I saw missing in myself and other people, and I thought that there's definitely something we're missing.
0: Tell us about your time working in the solar industry in New York in 2017. Door-to-door knocking, right? You're one of the top sales guys in the industry and worked in some challenging areas?
1: They were, they were. It was a pretty crazy uh, decision on my part. Number one is because I graduated from a very top business school and I had many job offers at that time, uh, which were very corporate-ish and, um, you know, offices and all that. But I wanted to work in something that I really felt uh, passionate about, and renewable energy made sense to me. Uh, and there was a startup company who invited me, and they were like, "Well, the way we work is we sell solar panels by going door to door." And I'd done sales work before, but not never door to door. And I thought, if I can figure this door to door sales thing out, I think I'd be I'd be able to figure a lot of things out in life because. It's quite challenging to you know knocking on a stranger's door and selling them solar panels by the end of it. Before I started it, I didn't I didn't even think that it was possible. So I just kind of ended up, ended up in that loop of door to door solar panel selling, and yeah, it was one of those jobs that really changed my perspective on communication and how you can really if if uh, it's you know you can really um, if you come from a place of understanding and bring right information to people it's not like you're manipulating them you're trying to really share something that makes sense uh, and that's the approach i took and yeah it was very it was a quite a uh, crazy adventure because we would be going to very um, lower socioeconomic uh, neighborhoods in brooklyn in new york uh, where you know, mugging happened on a usual basis or even gunshots happened on a usual basis. So it was quite a, I would say it was quite an adventurous job and it helped me let go of a lot of my fears of uh, of uh, communication and understanding how you can really just come across to any human being regardless, regardless of their color and all those things and just come on a human scale and introduce something to them and that's it.
0: What made you throw in the towel, buy a plane ticket and go to Peru? Write your first book. What made you do that?
1: I think that uh, came from this um, place of sitting in my apartment in New York and looking down the street. And, you know, I'd come from a city in India and not even a big city. And I ended up in New York doing thing I wanted to do. And I was actually loving it. You know, it wasn't like I was in some corporate job which I didn't like I loved what I was doing so I had kind of this vision where I could see my life going a certain way you know the job and growing in it and family and all this and I just I just couldn't accept it I, I just couldn't and I knew there was something more to life and I think that was the spark for me and I just ended up leaving and
0: I think what you did was take the road less traveled. Um, your first book, yeah. Dream Beyond Shadows, was based on travels in Peru. Is that correct?
1: No, it's okay. It was quite incredible because that's really where it all began for me. You know, I lived in the Amazons. I did ayahuasca, which I think is quite popular in Australia now. Uh, so I was living with indigenous people and I did ayahuasca, not for like, you know, fun, but something really to understand myself in a deeper scale. And it was very different because, you know, when you're with indigenous people, uh, you really understand the, the depths of some cultures and you understand how, you know, how we come from nature and that understanding of our connection with the natural world. So I started having that deep insights and it kind of, those deep insights also led me to want to come back to India and explore India in its deep spiritual heritage and its deep uh, spiritual lineage, not in a material sense, but really trying to understand who are we as human beings? Why are we here? All these big questions of life, you know, and not on a philosophical scale, uh, not even to tell other people, but more for myself. So that really was um, what Peru triggered for me. The Amazon jungles triggered for me. And um, yeah, I think writing, as I said previously, was just a byproduct of
0: all of this. What was your experience with ayahuasca?
1: Well, it was life-changing, that's for sure. Um, you know, you may have to read my book to get an understanding of it. It's very difficult to explain it in words, to be honest. But in, in simple words, all these years, post-ayahuasca and coming back to India, doing deep meditations and all these things to realize a higher consciousness of our understanding. They're basically to make us understand as human beings that there's more to us than we realize. There's more to the world than we realize. There's more to the whole scheme of things than we understand. So it's really about broadening our horizon and looking at things beyond one dimension, looking at things beyond one way of thinking and I think it's very important for human beings it's going to be essential in my opinion for this coming century for these coming decades that we start to think in a multi-dimensional way we, we broaden our consciousness to understand and deepen in ourselves to relate with our natural world to 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 understand our creative spirits to understand why we are here to understand, our integration with the world and our natural surroundings and all these things, you know, they sound very simple when you said, but we need to really learn to live like this. It's a new way of living that we need to implement in our lives, where community is a part of it, where joy, where our integration with nature, where where, where our um, implementation with our creation, creation as in how do we create as human beings? How do we connect with that creative energy? and really create, really bring something of meaning in this world for ourselves and for other people. So all these things, which you know back in the day seemed kind of woohoo, haha. ha-ha, I think now through all these years, and specifically because of the pandemic years, I think humans are realizing we need this. We need this as mainstream living. We need these ideas. We need these philosophies to, part of, to be part of our lives so that we can build our lives around these foundations.
0: Agreed. Absolutely. What was the best places in Peru apart from the Amazon jungle? Uh,
1: apart from Amazon jungles, well, Cusco and the whole Andes range mountains, they're amazing. They're really beautiful, very powerful place on the planet, in my opinion, just energetically. You can really feel it when you're there. Uh, so that was amazing. And I miss Peru. I haven't I haven't left India almost in it's gonna be it's 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 over four years now. It's actually four years now that since I came back to India and I haven't left India. Um, But yeah, it's been an incredible time in in this country because there's so much, I mean, you know, the books, the first book initiated in Peru, but I finished that book in India. I finished the India book in India. And then I finished writing another book recently. And um, so that's being edited and I'm going to keep working on it this year too to bring it out to the audiences. But yeah, India is, India is where the heart belongs.
0: <laughs> Your second book, you took a, a 1,100 kilometer long walk. Why did you do this? Where did you start and where did you finish?
1: So I actually started from the, uh, the bottom most part of India, which is a town called Kanyakumari. That's where India ends. It's like the tip of India. And then I walked up from the whole Southwestern belt to all the way till Goa. Um, I don't know if you know Goa, but it's quite a popular destination. Uh, so that's what I did, that long walk that is part of this book. But I also did a lot of walks in Northern India, in the Himalayas for for months. Uh, so I, I'm quite used to walking around India by now. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the best way to, for me at least, is to really, um, it was a pilgrimage more than anything. It was a journey in the unknown. And I didn't do any planning for that walk. I wasn't even sure how long I was gonna walk. You know, it could have been a situation where I could have stopped in a day, or I could have stopped in a few months, or I could have never stopped. So it was one of those situations, and again, it was this deep urge of wanting to deepen in in the understanding and, and understand why we're here, all these things, you know, get clarity on these things. Um, So it was a very tremendous experience because I got to see a lot of states. I got to live in villages. I got to be hosted by people um, and all kinds of people because India is so diverse. You know, you meet people from all walks of life, all walks of religion, um, all kinds of different faiths and beliefs just from one town to one village. Um, So in that regard, it was just the most mind-blowing experience you can have as Human beings, in my opinion, and I'm I'm so glad I did it. It was, of course, coming from a place of uh, wanting to find out more. For anything, let's say you know, in simple words, if I want to explain it to your audience, let's say you you're having a challenge to um, to go through a problem in your life. You don't know the answer to it. You you're trying to figure out what the answers to it. It's not going to come to you when your mind is busy. It's not going to come to you when you're completely occupied with distractions. It's gonna to come to you, the real answers are gonna to come to you when your mind is quiet, when you are really connected with yourself and your internal selves and you feel the answers coming to you in whispers. That's how it comes. It doesn't come from the noises, especially in the world today because we live in a digital world where we're being manipulated so easily by our surroundings, by the media, on social media and external mainstream media's. To really connect with what we truly want, we need to really quieten everything and sit with ourselves to understand what we want. So that only happens if we are in that connection with the internal selves. And more and more people are realizing this, and more and more people want this. So in many ways, that's that's what my inspiration was as well. Like, how do we deeply understand who we are and who I am? Not even other people. For me, it was. Initially, who am I more than anyone? And once you have a good understanding of who you are, regardless of what other people say, what other people think, what they tell you to be, then you get this sense of confidence, this sense of understanding that nobody can change you. And you have this power, which is real empowerment. You know, it's not an empowerment based on what you're going to buy, based on money you have, or what you're going to. Uh, Show to other people. It's real empowerment based on the confidence you get from your understanding of who you are. And that's what I think people need in today's time more than ever, especially young people. They need to be able to sit with their own power, own understanding of the self and be like, this is who I am. And I'm not compromising on this. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe, not because anybody told me, but this is who I am and fuck everything else in simple words.
0: I agree. I've heard you say that facing the depths of your own being on an unknown adventure, is that one of the reasons for your pilgrimage?
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, the big inspiration for me has been fear. I think um, not just me, but the whole world struggles a lot with fear. Fear of death, fear of the unknown, fear of uncomfortable, fear of getting out of your surroundings, whatever. Fear of anything. And fear is 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 something that works on such a subtle subconscious level that we don't even realize, but a lot of our actions, a lot of our intentions are being driven by fear. So for me, a big part of my journey, of my understanding of these depths, as you mentioned, was to overcome fear. And the best way to overcome fear is to really face it, to bring yourself in scenarios where you're faced by it constantly, constantly, constantly. And that's when you overcome you, you, you give yourself the opportunity to overcome the fear because you face your fears. And the more you face your fears and the more you overcome them, the more you are able to realize your limitless potential and your limitless power. And, um, and along with this fear comes a sense of sense of darkness. So I think I'm one of those people, you know, a lot of the people, writers, I guess, in this field and this kind of motivational things, they always tell people to chase the light or chase the good and chase the happiness. I say, yes, that's good, but you need to also face the darkness of your depths, face the fears that are holding you back, because that's really where the depth is coming from. The more you understand where you're fearful, where your darknesses are coming, the more you face them, the more you overcome them, the more, more stronger you become. That's where real strength comes from. So depth is all about facing your fears, going deep down in the subconscious, going deep down in your uh, intuition and, and seeing what's holding you back. What is that fear? What, what are you fearful of? And then trying to give your best into overcoming that fear.
0: Yeah, amazing. Did you have it planned out when you left? No.
1: <laughs> no plans. I'm a, I'm a pretty bad planner, to be honest.
0: <laughs> what sort of things did you carry with you?
1: I had I had a bag and a few clothes and that's it. And uh, I was just I was eating on the way from small eateries or people's homes, um, and that's basically how I traveled there. Yeah.
0: Just walk. Did you have any money you carried around?
1: I uh, had a lot of money, but you know, many a times I didn't have money, so people fed me food. I lived with strangers, and people even gave me water. And this is when I also realized that how. The world functions on this this understanding of cooperation and service because you know when in those scenarios where you willingly let go of your attachments of money or your attachments of even survival and you're in that survival state where you're you're hungry or you don't even have water or you don't have the means to buy something like how how is your reaction like And you willingly give it away to see your experience in this world right and then you witness how some people come in life, life, strangers to offer you food, offer you money. And I think I saw beauty of humanity through that experience. And, and, and I realized that no matter what happens in, in this life, that whatever we see negative in the world about human beings, majority of human beings are good people, you know, and they, they are there to help each other. They, they are there to support each other. That's our innate nature. We love and, and you know, Many great leaders have said this love comes naturally to us. Service comes naturally to us. These things come more naturally to us than, let's say, hatred or division, which is something that is, that is a form of conditioning, that is a form of our environment. But what's coming naturally to us is wanting to support each other, wanting to take care of people. And I experienced that through other people by putting myself in scenarios where I was in a state of needing help rather than giving it sometimes it's actually easier to give give help than receiving it because you have to let go of your ego many a times to receive help when you're in the state of need desperation even so that's something a uh, very beautiful experience in, in in my in my walk
0: yeah india's a melting pot of gurus did you meet any teachers on the way
1: india's a melting pot of um, but a lot of fake gurus and a lot of uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of that, which is you know part of the part of the modern age, I think it, it works like that. But at the same time, you do come across very rarely very powerful beings mm-hmm. in, in in this country. And of course, I've met some really powerful yogis in in my experience of traveling around India. It happens rarely to be honest, but when it does happen, you you were able to recognize them and and they are very powerful. and of course, they they remind you of why you're doing these things, why you're going down this path, and why you are trying to understand because they're doing really crazy, incredible things, you know. and um, to to my understanding, I think everyone has the potential in themselves to realize that they are their own gurus they are their own mentors they are their own teachers that they they have the ability to transcend they have the ability to evolve they have the uh, the power in themselves to um, to let go of all their fears all their darkness to to really transcend beyond their their limitations and it's it's in every one of us and I think that's my inspiration that keeps me going because I see potential in human beings and i and I know that what we can be and what we're being now. So that 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 distinction really inspires me because I know from my own experience, from my own evolution that I've witnessed that so much we can become, but we don't choose to. But we just need to be triggered so that we can get there. And, and it's happening, you know, people are doing these things and people are open to this. For example, you are. You're asking me about these questions because you are open to them. You are open to listening to another side of the coin. And I think we need to be more open. We need to listen to more ideas so that we can see how we can implement whatever we can on basis of our experimentation, right? I think this is what the key is. Instead of believing blindly or having blind faith, having an experimentation kind of method where Okay, you listen to something as an observer, you understand to something as an observer, you try to implement in your life, see if it's working for you. If not, you let it go. If it's working, you work with it. So that's the kind of approach is important to have. And um, yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm a massive spiritual person myself, having practiced and studied many different religions and teachers over the years. It's all one at the end of the day because, you know, we all live on planet Earth and each religion and spiritual practice is practiced on planet Earth. So uh, one of my original mentors was Osho. Have you ever heard of Osho before?
1: Of course. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. A friend of mine went to uh, Pune at the commune decades ago and uh, got me onto him back in 2007. What do you know about Osho?
1: I will. uh, Before that, I was going to say Australia is such a powerful land as well. I've never been there, but the Aboriginal culture, I mean, I read this book. I don't know if you read it. It's uh, mutant messenger or something. Uh, yeah, it's a mutant messenger story of this American woman who ends up in Australia, a doctor, and then she ends up walking with uh, an Aboriginal tribe throughout through across the desert of Australia. And um, yeah, the Aboriginal culture, I mean, there's so much beauty in these indigenous cultures, and you know we are realizing this with time that. There's so much we can learn from these indigenous cultures there, how they used to live with the land, how they used to respect the land, how they used to, how they were. It's, it's, it's so funny to me that nowadays, you know, the way I see it is people ask us if we're spiritual or not, but naturally the way we have a mind, we have a heart, we have a body, we have a spirit too, and you can call it whatever you want based on your understanding of it, but we're naturally spiritual beings. That's who we are as beings right? It's just we're so disconnected from from that nature nowadays. We're so disconnected from it that we have to ask each other, are you spiritual or not? We're naturally spiritual. That's how we were born. So if you go to any indigenous culture, you don't ask them, oh, are you spiritual or not? That's how they live. That's part of their life, you know? Uh, Same in Hinduism or Buddhism. They they come such, they're such animalistic religions if you really look at them. It's not like uh, in Hinduism, if you practice Hinduism, like not the text, just the religious aspects of it, you know, animals are like gods and rivers and trees are like gods. They You, you pray to the rivers, you pray to the trees. So it basically comes from this understanding that nature is God, right? And that's that makes us spiritual, that makes us connected to the land. And I think this is what we're missing in, in, in our world today.
0: Another guru and inspiration of mine is Ramdas, an American who went to India and became another vehicle of popularizing Eastern spirituality. Do you know much about Ramdas?
1: I've I've read uh, both Ramdas and Osho. I know uh, really strong followers of both of them. I think both of them had really incredible things to say and incredible things to teach, um, and they were both very connected individuals. There's no doubt about it. And they brought a lot of insights into the human world, and you know I think people like us, we're just it's we're in a the way I look at life is is it's a continuation, and whoever does whatever they do, we have to just continue building on it. So if somebody spread their teachings, so for example, I don't look at things. Whatever I'm doing is I'm doing that. I'm just the channel. I'm just the source. Of creation. That's all we are. We are just a source of creation. Whatever we're doing, we're just channeling it and we're bringing it into the world and it's a continuation of our consciousness. And that's what Osho did. That's what Ram does. That that's what any teacher ever does. And that's what we're here to do. We're just here to consciously bring and channel through our creation for other human beings to really realize and broaden in our consciousness to understand who we are. Self-realization, ultimately, if we realize the self, we realize who we are and why we are here, then everything becomes a byproduct of it, everything.
0: What does Buddhism mean to you?
1: So Buddhism is, uh, you know, there are many lineages of Buddhism now as well. I was um, I was influenced by different kinds of Buddhisms for a while, but since I came back to India, I was influenced a lot by Tibetan Buddhism which is what thrives a lot in Northern India, uh, by Dalai Lama's heritage or even other Lamas. I cannot see the title. What is, what is it?
0: I've got the book here, uh, the Tibetan book of living and dying on the shelf.
1: Yeah. So Tibetan Buddhism is, I definitely got influenced a lot by Tibetan Buddhism. I met some really powerful yogis as well in my time. And, um, yeah. Again, Buddhism, Hinduism—they're just such simple philosophies. Again, with Buddhism, it's all about um, coming back to yourself, realizing the self, uh, practicing compassion and love, uh, nonviolence—these virtues of life that I think are so important. And and you know, it's if you take out the the labels, if you take out the labels of religions, if you take out the structures of religions, and you try to learn from all of them, even. Islam or even any religion for that matter if you just try to learn the core crux of their philosophies it's really come down to compassion, love and peace I mean that's really basically what it is be more compassionate with others
0: yeah I practice uh, Buddhism with the you know following the eighth path in uh, the Buddhism which is right understanding right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness and uh, right concentration
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think the best religion is the heart. We already know what's right and wrong in us. And I think the more we 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 instead of putting our uh, let's say our prowess on statues or symbols or religions outside, we ask ourselves, like, is this the right thing to do or not? We know. We always know the answer in ourselves. And the more we connect here, I mean, this is the this is the biggest religion, no, the more we connect here we know what's right or wrong we know what what we need to do or not so i think the biggest religion after studying all of them practicing plenty of them it's it's just here you know this is the main 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 religion and coming back here and it's basic you know when you, you when you try to look i'm a reader you're a reader we've read a lot of things and we try to understand and, and debate and question a lot of these things on an intellectual level But the real thing is beyond the intellect. The real thing is in here, in the heart, coming from a place of love, coming from a place of understanding. So really developing on that is is what I believe is where the human uh, emancipation is from our suffering and pain. Because the more we come from the heart, the more we come from a place of deep intuitive self, the more we let go of the ego, the more we let go of this uh, belonging of, of or holding of this is mine, this is yours. The more we really practice oneness and we realize, look, we're all kind of on the same team, you know, let's not make this us versus them kind of thing. We're all trying to work on the same things to better ourselves, our families, and we want a better life. And, and this is what we need, man. This is really what we need in the world today.
0: Wow. What are the Himalayas like?
1: Oh, magical. <laughs> they're so powerful they're so powerful every time i go there uh, every time i leave actually from the himalayas and I, I feel like oh i'm good i don't need to go back there but every time i go back to the himalayas and i'm reminded of how powerful they are and there's a there's i've i've definitely come to an understanding that there are specific places in the world which act as energy points energy centers and himalayas are one I think Australia may be one as well. I've never been, but that's what I've heard. But certain parts of the world are just very conducive for for spiritual growth. Himalayas are definitely, definitely one place. And there's a reason why so many saints and sages have been going there and living there for thousands of years. Because they're just, yeah, the, you go meditate there, it's a different experience. You just kind of accelerate in your spiritual expansion right away. So yeah, they're just magical, man. I'm going again very soon.
0: <laughs> the Ganges River, what makes it so magical and magnetic?
1: Well, uh, there's a lot of mythological stories around it, which, um, which can go on forever. But basically the river comes from, uh, I don't know if you know the Hindu god Shiva. So he's, a, he's quite a famous god. And you know all these symbolic representations, they come from mythology to help people Help us connect with, with religions and their natural essence. But basically, uh, um, the river comes from the source. That's what they believe, and and that's why it's so um, powerful. And um, yeah, so the source it, it's the it's the it's coming from the source. So it, it's re, it's revered as mother, the mother Ganges, and they believe that if you take a dip in the Ganges, you go down dip you're basically um, releasing yourself of all your sins, all your evils with your sins. So it's there's no doubt about Mother Ganga being a powerful, powerful stream and river, but ultimately it comes down to us, how we're really practicing in our lives and taking away from Ganga, you know?
0: Your third book, what's it about and when has it been released? So third book is a big
1: creative challenge for me. I'm jumping guns from nonfiction to fiction and I've, I've i've finished writing the first draft and my editor is looking at it right now and um, so that's why i'm going back to him i have to work on it more but it's basically i've created a fictional story of a guy who, who was a uh, who's, who's uh, the plot is not very uh not very uh, unique at the beginning but there are a lot of uh, mystical twists in the story which i've put in the Book. So it has romance, it has mystery, it has philosophy, all integrated to kind of engage the readers and surprise them. So the story is based on the main character who's, who's, uh, who's based in New York. He's half Indian, half American. Uh, so he's you know doing the typical life and then he's married and then he goes through a divorce and all these things. And then he ends up going on this mystical ride and meeting all these people and ends up going on an adventure. So it has all those elements and many characters in the story. There's a love story there. There's a, there's, there's a lot, there's both, there's dark and light. And I'm trying to showcase, uh, things, which kind of people can relate to, you know, people who are not even spiritual, they can relate to, but then it eventually I'm using the story to trigger people, to ask deeper questions, to ask what do they really want in life and you know, all these things. Um, So, yeah, it's something new I'm working on. Let's see.
0: (laughs) What advice do you have for wannabe writers and especially creative travel writers?
1: Just start writing. (laughs) Uh, I think just start writing. Don't overthink too much about what's going to become of it or who's going to read it or if you'll get published, all those things. Just write it. If it's a story coming from a feeling, from your heart, really just try and express it. I think what I've learned through through my experiences, it's really the feeling and the intentions behind the story that that people connect with. You know, anybody can write really well. There are many good writers out there. You can get the you can get the style right. You can do all the studying right and and make it as good as possible. But at the end of the day, it's that feeling. Like, how does that make you feel? And you cannot fake those feelings. This is what I've really learned. You cannot fake feelings through your expression in any art form it has to be authentic and the more authentic you are in in your any expression of your art or whatever you are saying um people connect with it people connect that it's not coming from a rehearsed space or it's not coming from a place of uh, cut copy paste it's coming from an authentic space and that's the key and don't th- don't think too much about the results just stay true to the process and uh Whatever will
0: happen, will happen. I wrote my book, uh, which took about 13 years researching over 500 books. Um, and one thing I learned was don't rush the process. Yes. yes. Now, the last question before we wrap up, if you could host a dinner party like uh, Come Dine With Me and three people from the past famous, who would they be and what would you serve them? Oh,
1: I don't know. Gee, so these are the people I'm no longer in touch with, right?
0: That could be anyone.
1: Oh, as in not my past, but anybody. Ooh. Okay, so definitely Nelson Mandela. Okay, I, I know. Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, and Einstein. Nothing.
0: That's an amazing dinner party. And what would you serve them? Just conversation.
1: Yeah, we would just drink water. Because, I mean, Einstein and Gandhi didn't eat much, anyways. And Nelson Mandela by the end stopped eating, so. Yeah. We'll just fast, drink water and just talk or even sit in silence. I don't care.
0: <laughs> That's an amazing answer. Where can people find you and your books
1: online? Uh, so in Australia, I think in Australia, um, they're all available on Kindle. The paperback version of the latest book in Australia is too expensive. So I wouldn't recommend buying that. I've had problems uh, selling paperback version in Australia all the time. So They're definitely available on Kindle in Australia.
0: I have a big audience in India and America, so where can they find it there?
1: In in India, they're available everywhere. In India, you can buy in bookstores, you can buy in Amazon, on Flipkart. So India, everything is available. Australia, they're only available in Kindle version. Paperback is too expensive, so I wouldn't recommend that. Um, And you can mostly find me on my Instagram, which is where I'm active, or you can go on my website, so Instagram is Kartike Lada and website is kartikeelada.com which is where you can also sign up for my newsletter.
0: What's the last message you want to leave my audience? Uh, just try and be
1: joyous. Try and follow the, um, what's really in you. Try and connect more with yourself. Realize the self. Um, grow in your understanding of the self. Try and create as much as possible. And remember to be patient because you have a lot of time. Don't rush through things. Take your time.
0: I just want to say thanks for being on the show and being so open and honest Uh, to my audience. Go on and follow this man.
1: Thank you for having me, Michael. Thank you so much. Lots of love for you and your family and take care.
0: No worries. Speak soon.
1: All right. Take care.